This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. And usually, whenever we have an episode following a Penguins game, we usually like to talk about the Penguins game right off the bat, but there was some news that kind of predominated the Pittsburgh Penguins game on Tuesday. So we're going to start off with the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are apparently for sale and almost sold. Horwat, when you saw the news come across, were you A, scared, or B, optimistic? I was surprised. I was C, surprised. Yeah. Uh, because it's not the first time Mario and Burkle have tried to sell the team. In fact, they tried to, in the midst of a back-to-back cup run in 16 and 17, to no avail. But at first, I was just kind of confused as a why situation. I mean... Sure, maybe there's some off-ice issues the past couple years that aren't ideal, and maybe they kind of want to further themselves from it, and I understand that from a uh, standpoint of image in the world, basically. Um, and this is going further than just uh, the Wilkes-Barre lawsuit, and, but also tacking in the one of the only sports franchises to collect during uh, the COVID pandemic. So I thought about all those things and figured, yeah, you know, maybe they're just trying to distance themselves. And then I saw details come out that Mario's staying involved. Good. That's a hockey mind that you want to stick around anyway. Um, That it is being purchased by Fenway Sports Group, which I was going to start off by saying, damn it, I don't like the Red (laughs) Sox. (laughs) But you can't deny what Fenway has done for the Red Sox and for Liverpool as well. I mean, they've... It's, it's not that Fenway themselves turned the Red Sox into a champion again, but they were the minds behind a lot of it. Um, they, they were the ownership group behind kicking the curse of the Bambino in 2004 and bringing three more World Series championships since then. And for Liverpool, I don't know much about soccer other than that is one of the most recognizable soccer clubs in the world. And... Fenway was the they came to the Penguins with the offer there was no hey the Penguins are on the market there was no hey Mario and Lemieux are looking to sell it was Fenway coming to the Lemieux group and saying let us buy your team and we're in the midst as we record now we're in the midst of quote-unquote advanced talks and like I said Lemieux sticking around Burkle might also stick around now apparently a lot of news is flying out in every direction every other hour it's a little hard to keep up with at the moment, mm-hmm. but as far as we're concerned, as soon as possibly by the time this episode drops, the Penguins will have been sold to the highest bidder from Fenway. Yeah, and, and this was originally reported by the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday, and then of course everybody had their subjugating stories where they took the information that they got. I know uh, DK was one of the names that had a lot of information on this potential buying of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but as you mentioned... The potential sale is to the Fenway Sports Group, who the deal is not 
complete as of now. You mentioned it might be out by the time this episode comes out. You also mentioned they own the Boston Red Sox and the Liverpool Football Club. The big thing that I also realize that is kind of similar between those two teams and the Pittsburgh Penguins is the fact that all three franchises own the arena or stadium that they play in. So that's another that's another little connection there between the Fenway Sports Group and the Pittsburgh Penguins as of right now. Now, when I see that, obviously, you look at the Fenway Sports Group. Who are the big names in there? Obviously, the majority owner of that is John W. Henry. He's the principal owner of Fenway Sports Group. But you look at some of the minority owners, at least the big names there, and two stand out to me right away. There's a Pittsburgh native named Larry Lucino, which might be why whenever the Fenway Sports Group was looking to add to their portfolio, was looking to expand, that might be a reason why he was looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins along with the fact that, you know, the Penguins were trying to sell high. Lemieux and Burke were trying to sell high in the midst of a back-to-back cup run. They're still selling high compared to where they started, and we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But knowing that they had already looked into selling the team, that might be a potential connection there with Larry Lucino. And another minority owner, NBA star LeBron James. So if this goes through, the Pittsburgh Penguins could be partially owned by the 1A or 1B greatest player of all time in the NBA and the 1A or 1B greatest player of all time in the NHL. Not a bad combination. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. It doesn't exactly mean LeBron James will be sitting in on, you know, free agency or draft meetings, but it's just a fun little tidbit of, hey, LeBron James owns your franchise. It's kind of like Jay-Z owning Patrick Mahomes owning part of the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, it's, and there's a couple more. A-Rod, I think, is involved with the Timberwolves now? I don't know. I know Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds just brought a soccer team. Or Derek Jeter and the... the, uh, Marlins, although I think he was a majority owner, yeah. then, was he not? <laughs> he was he was one of the uh he has a little bit higher of a stake than any of these other guys. <laughs> but uh yeah, so it's like people you get it, there's always discussions in business that when you are a multi-millionaire, 100 millionaire, billionaire, you invest in sports teams because they are net profits. So celebrities and athletes and rich people are just doing this why do you think mark cuban shout out pittsburgh native mark cuban is a big time majority owner though of the uh dallas mavericks because he can make more money from it he entered the shark tank with with the mavericks and came out with a championship ring at some point i know they won it i just forget when um but yeah, this is what millionaires and billionaires do. That's just on the part of LeBron being possibly being a part owner of the yeah. Penguins. Isn't that funny? I mean, he is also already a part owner of, I guess, the Red Sox and Liverpool. And I think it's Fenway Roush Racing with NASCAR. They own a NASCAR oh, team, too. Nah. So, And an 80% stake in NESN, which I believe is the company yeah, that employs. What's his name? Jack Edwards. So that's not fun. I don't want to be. I don't want the Penguins to be uh, in any way, shape, or form <laughs> integrated with Jack Edwards. But you know what? Uh, I'll take one small L for what is overall a good business dis- business mm-hmm. decision. Like I said, it's a big ownership group that likes to spend the money and can, you know, upgrade things, keep a good eye on the team, but also Lemieux still being around and Lemieux's already involved with hockey situations and hockey operations. Yeah. We don't know how to the extent, but we know he's there. He's always at draft day. 
so there's he'll still be around for all that, which is good. And with a bigger ownership group, it's just a matter of maybe we see other upgrades. Like I don't know, I don't know what other upgrades we could do. We could have we have a new a nice new arena mm-hmm. still, but it's fun stuff. It, this is the business side of hockey that we know nothing about really but we know names we know faces and we know opinions of uh things that are happening and we see the progress that fenway has made with other teams looks good yeah uh, the whole lebron james thing obviously means absolutely nothing other than the fact that his name is connected but hey you know that connection that i made earlier all three of these teams own their respective arenas and or stadiums ppg paints arena lebron james maybe helps bring a basketball team back to Pittsburgh. Who knows? That's a very good point. And he also only recently bought into this, by the way, because I just remembered LeBron James um, whenever the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians playing in the World Series. I remember LeBron James being at Game 7. Yeah, I went to Game 7. And just now that I'm realizing – it's a good thing he didn't own the Red Sox at that point because that's a conflict of interest, is it not? If he, I don't think he owns any part of the Cleveland Indians or Guardians. You know what Being I mean. Being there? He's I mean, yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's not like <laughs> Derek Jeter doesn't go to Yankees games. Nah. Nah, well, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. It's also the wildest. He has no connection to Boston. He has a connection to making money, Where does though. Where come from? Liverpool, Boston, Red Sox, two of the biggest brands in the entire world. And you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, when it comes to NHL franchises, their brand is right up there among most of the original six teams. So it makes sense from a standpoint for the Fenway Sports Group. It makes a lot of sense for the Mario Lemieux Group and the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Obviously, what this gives, in my opinion, a lot of people were saying, oh, no, they're going to get relocated or something. It's not going to happen because one, that would be a stupid business decision. And this organization is not in the business of making bad business decisions. And two, they're buying it for the purpose of the fact that it makes so much money in Pittsburgh. They have a brand new arena and now they're buying into it at its high point at this point, probably a little bit cheaper because of the hole they're in because of the pandemic. But at the same time, this is a money-making team. And it's not going to go anywhere, especially with Lemieux staying intact. I also don't think they No, I think there's something in the CBA that they're not allowed to relocate. New ownership is not allowed to relocate. I believe it's until seven years into ownership. That's what I thought I saw, too, which seems like a long damn time. Like, you mean to tell me a new ownership group couldn't get in in Arizona and move them out like that? I mean, they just got a new ownership group last season. Well, six more yeah. years. So I, I don't. Um, that seems like a long yeah. time, but still, yeah, they can't. They straight up cannot move mm-hmm. the team yet. Maybe, maybe you want to start counting down your days. But no, I mean that that would be I mean, so stupid of them business wise. Like, yeah, sure, Hartford is a decent hockey town. You're not making more money in Hartford, Connecticut, than you are in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in hockey. No, that's why the Whalers collapsed in the first exactly. place. So. And they were bad. Yeah. Uh, the initial news coming out was that Ron Barkle, basically that was the only change that was being made. As Fenway Group is in, Ron Barkle is out. Now, of course, we're not so sure. Of course, like I said, th- this deal is not done yet. We don't know the figure. We don't know the numbers. We don't know if Ron Barkle is all the way out. Maybe he keeps a minority stake. But 
As far as Ron Burkle, he bought the Pittsburgh Penguins with Mario Lemieux and forming the Mario Lemieux group out of bankruptcy back in 1999. So this 22-year run of turning this team from an organization in bankruptcy into one of the premier organizations in the National Hockey League, you have to obviously give him credit and you have to thank Ron Burkle for all the work that he did because if it wasn't for his influx of cash, if it wasn't for him understanding Mario Lemieux's role and how well that whole group worked, the Pittsburgh Penguins would not be in the position they are today, which is a position that garners the interest of a group like the Fenway Sports Group. So thank if, if it is it for Ron Burkle, we have to obviously thank him. Obviously, we thank Mario Lemieux every chance that we get. His time is clearly not done in Pittsburgh. He's going to be owning a minority stake regardless of the outcome of this. But the Pittsburgh Penguins are for sale. I was surprised. I was caught off guard. So were you. But this is, in the end, going to be a good thing for the Penguins because of financial stability in the Fenway Sports Group. If Burkle had money, this sports group has uber money. And not not uber as in, like, the ride chair, just a lot of money. It's got a ton of money. Um, I will say, there was just some fun stuff that happened throughout that day yesterday. Though. It was uh, the crappy Photoshop edit of uh, the green monster as one of the as one of the boards. <laughs> um, there was LeBron James memes, of course, because he's involved in. It's all fun stuff. I mean, like I said, we don't know the business side of things, but <clears throat> the muse sticking around, uh, a new group is coming in, and hey, you know what? It's not Howard Baldwin. It is not. It, it, it is not. It cannot get any worse than Howard Baldwin, that's for sure. So, before we go to a quick break, Horwat, you had an update on the entire AHL Wilkes-Barre-Scranton situation with the Scaldies. Yeah, I'm trying to find the information now because as we were reaching the end of that discussion, I realized I didn't have the notes mm-hmm. up for it. Um, but it looks like <clears throat> as of yesterday, even if you could find the stuff a little quicker than me, uh, Clark Donatelli was indicted and officially charged with sexual assault in the state of Rhode Island. I do not believe it is regarding or involving the Pittsburgh Penguins in any sort of way, but it is still a situation of the full update and the fact that he has been indicted and charged. Um, and I'm just looking for the incident situation and all of the information that can come through with it. I also didn't realize Donatelli pleaded not guilty a long time. Uh, he pleaded not guilty last week. Last yes. week? In this case. Last week. Yeah. There it is. All right, yeah. Um, no contact with the alleged victim identified by the... Oh, okay, so this is a different situation. This must be the second woman, maybe. I don't. Again, I don't know the whole details. I only just kind of saw the headline, and I'm fully reading everything for the first time because I didn't do my research. I actually kind of forgot we were recording today fair warning whenever you sent me that text i was halfway ready on my way to go grocery shopping uh so you caught me at the right time but um in this paragraph yeah he was also ordered to have no contact with his alleged victim identified by the attorney general's office only as a 46 year old woman so it must be a different situation because clearly the scaldi's um name have been involved with the other case since the beginning and they said that, yeah, it's no big deal that their name is involved because it's been so public already. 
Um, but yes, so Donatelli indicted, charged um, with a different situation. So there's your full update on that as well. Again, we'll continue following. We'll continue updating. And if you have more details to put out, go for it. Uh, I do not. You covered basically most of them. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to go back to the ice and talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. It hasn't been pretty for the Penguins out there on the ice. We'll talk about their game against the Buffalo Sabres from Tuesday and look forward to the upcoming Canadian road trip. We'll be right back. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, however they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in a net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Pittsburgh Penguins, from bad to worse and worse to I can't believe what I'm seeing on TV, the Penguins lose 2-1. to one to the Buffalo Sabres on home ice, making that three straight regulation losses for the second time already in the 2021-22 season. When you watched this game, you saw the Penguins get out to a decent start, look sluggish in the middle of it, and then look like a house of fire in the third period. But once again, not enough. Dustin Tokarski made 44 saves on 45 Pittsburgh Penguins shots, especially in the third period where the Penguins were just all over the ice trying to tie that one up. At the end of the day, though, they lose 2-1 to one in regulation, don't even get the pity point, and now it's three straight regulation losses. Horwat, you listen to this game on the radio, listening to Josh Getzoff and Phil Bork. What kind of feel did you get about this game? Just that the Penguins, like, we're showing their sense of urgency in the third. It um, There was a long period of time where Buffalo didn't have a shot yeah. on goal. I think from their second goal from Kyle Oposa with 8.54, um, it would, at 8.54 into the second until a long way through the third, they didn't have a shot. They didn't let up a shot on goal. And just it just sounded like Tokarski was just standing on his skull. He was, yeah. And judging by the numbers, 45 saves, yeah, he was. Um, it's so hard to say this is a game that you can just say, okay, we're getting our feet wet again. But we got goalied, kind of. Yeah. Anytime you take 46 
Anytime you take 46 shots and only score once, yeah, you got goalied, unless they were all muffins. But I doubt it. And judging by the one save I saw um, in the final 20 there seconds or so. There were several 10-0 no. saves. Yeah, this... Um, of all people to goalie you, it's Dustin Tokarski. Yeah, no. But, it's wild. But overall, if you look at the performance of the game, once again, I mean, this is something that we've said about the Pittsburgh Penguins several times since we started doing this. I just got a three-year anniversary thing of us doing Rockathon for WPPJ three years ago. Back then, we were talking Hell about the yeah. fact that the Penguins do not play 60-minute hockey games. They rarely play 45-minute hockey games. They like They sit back and there's certain portions of the game where you just watch it and you say what who who is on the ice and then you see the third period and you're like what you can be this good how have you not been and understandably yes this is only the second game with everyone in minus Evgeny Malkin but at the same time you see that and you're like where have some of these performances been from an Evan Rodriguez from a guy like uh Danton Heinen you know, Jake Gensel was really good. That whole first line was really good in this game, but it's just a matter of you need to put it all together. And at this point, every time you lose a game like this, where you don't put in at least 45 to 50 solid minutes at that level, or at least right underneath that level, you say, okay, we're running out of time. We're running out of chances to get these points. And in a game against the Buffalo Sabres, who, albeit, are a little bit better this year than they were last year. And that's saying... Not much, because last year they were absolutely god-awful in the East Division. But they are better this year, but you should still be able to win this game. Or at the very least, push this game into overtime. But they were just unable to finish. And hasn't that just been the story of the last five games? Uh, really, since that uh, since that Toronto Entire game. Entire month of November. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot about those three losses in there. Yeah. Oh, man. Two wins in the last... Ten? Two out of the last three. ten. Yeah, something like that. Good lord, yeah, man. It's, it's, it's not been a good stretch here for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, dealing with COVID during some of that stuff where a lot of your defense and Sidney Crosby was out. Your head coach was out, and your head coach will be out on Thursday night. But you have to play similar to how you played on Tuesday. At least we can take away the fact that we've seen them play well. We've seen them do the right things. In the early portions of the season when they were 3-0-2, what was their biggest advantage? The fact that they were forechecking like fiends. And guess what? You started to see that a little bit more on Tuesday. You started to see the effort a little bit more away from the puck on Tuesday, which is what the Pittsburgh Penguins need to do to win hockey games this year. It was much more evident on Tuesday than it was over the weekend, which is good. I mean, we're moving in the right direction there. So I can't get absolutely upset but at the same time your only goal against the buffalo sabers was off of jake gensel's skate but i do like but it was, I was a power about to say, play i goal. do like seeing a power play goal i do like seeing ppg not just the arena but the goal uh that was what the first one in 20 something attempts? like that yeah it, it is i mean that and the fact that it's jake gensel which not is nice and yes. the fact that that was Sidney crosby's first point of the season you're yeah. starting to just chip away at some of these things. A little bit of momentum grabbers. Now you just need to start winning hockey games. As what to say, yeah, they can't be the small momentum grabbers. They have to be full-blown victories. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, it's great we kicked the schneid of not scoring on the power play. Yes, it's good Crosby found the score sheet again. Yes, it's great that Gensel is scoring yeah. again. 
but all of that is for nothing if uh, we yeah. don't win. It's congratulations. It's I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it. it's I don't know who was like a very good player on a very bad team. What Lemieux for the beginning of his career? Lemieux for the first six years of his career. Yeah. That's not ideal. Like, yes, it's great. You have this phenomenal player. Now win with it. Eric Lindros through his entire tenure with the Flyers. Connor McDavid. Because he never won a cup. Currently. Connor McDavid until this year. But now that has to get proven. Yeah. Just, I don't know. It's wild, but. Oh, I can't believe um, we didn't think of Jack Eichel and the Sabres. Jack Eichel <laughs> and the Sabres. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yeah, Jake. It's great that Jake Gensel scored. Like I said, and I heard on the broadcast <clears throat> that I think it was Getzoff said it. Like, yeah, great. Enjoy your Jake shakes tomorrow. They might taste better if we can pull out a victory tonight. Yeah. And guess what? We're not. I'm not even going to get one. <laughs> I was like, I don't like Oreo anyway. They put Oreo oh, in you it. You don't so. like Oreo? I didn't know that about you. I think. Uh, I think we. I need to have a discussion. Who? Okay. Real quick, off topic. I tell everyone I don't like Oreos. How the hell I, have you not known this? I've never, I've never been told or, you know, informed that you don't like Oreos. But I'll have to scold you I about. I feel like that. I discuss it. I feel like I discuss it all of the time. Well, I have a, I have a call out now, so uh, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> but oh, uh, cool. to continue with this, after the game, Marcus Pedersen had a quote saying, "We need to come out with that desperation that we showed in the third period early on in games. That way, we're not playing from behind." And, uh, yeah, that's a pretty good point. When looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins this season, they're 5, 6, and 4 overall. That means they're 5 and 10 if you actually take into account the fact that the pity point is a loss. But they're 5 and 1 when scoring first. They're 0, 5, and 4 when not scoring first. So there's a clear dichotomy. We're finding the yeah, pattern. There's a, We're finding there's a clear the dichotomy. I thought, oh, you know what? In the last month, it's been like that. No, the entire season. 5-1-0 and oh when scoring the first goal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 0-5-4 when not. 0-9 when they don't score first. That's how important it is for the Penguins to get out to a good start. And if they're out to a good start, you'll see the forechecking in its peak. You'll see opportunities like you saw in that third period. That's what they need in the first period to get out in front and play with the lead because this team, as most teams are, is much better defensively when they have a lead. It's just the way it's going to go. It's The team is still trying to get his feet wet, but at the same time, holy hell, yeah. going to win. Get one. Get one. That's that's what we need. Start with that and move on. And you know what? They're going to have an opportunity to win a couple games up in Canada on this upcoming road trip. Maybe that's what they need. They've been at home for the majority of the season and then gone on the road for one game here, two games there, a weekend. Maybe they need a, a long road trip. Now, this is a road trip that's going to be over in a week already, but they need to get on the road maybe a little bit more. Nothing like the New York Islanders starting the season with 13 straight road games, but maybe a little elongated road trip will be good for the soul for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And coming up, starting on Thursday, they'll be in Canada. Mike Sullivan will not be available for Thursday night's game against the Montreal Canadiens because of his positive COVID test being within 14 days of that game, but everybody else will be available. Everybody else is cleared to get into Canada, Sullivan should rejoin the team by their next game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then they will finish off that quick road trip in Canada with the Winnipeg Jets. So you have Montreal, a team that has struggled to start the season, but is starting to come around right now. You're hoping to still catch them on the downswing. 
After that, you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, who since we bludgeoned them 7-1, to have been an extremely, extremely good team. And then you have the Winnipeg Jets, who are lost. even better. Oh, great. I, in my opinion, they're even better. I think the Winnipeg Jets are a much tougher team to beat than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, well, yeah, because I think we've proven that, that, that the Leafs are human. I, I think the Leafs we saw earlier this year are not the Leafs we're going to see. I believe that's a Saturday night game. I'm sure it's hockey night in Canada if it's Saturday night. Oh, no. <laughs> um, that would be quite fun. Where's the schedule? There we go. <laughs> uh, yes, that is hockey night in mm -hmm. Canada. Or at least it is Saturday night, so yes, talking like Canada. Toronto playing in Canada on a Saturday night. We know what Sydney Crosby playing in Canada. We know what that means in Toronto. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that that's that's clearly going to be a hockey night in Canada. Oh so. boy. So we're shelling them is what uh, we're saying. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, have you seen the last couple of games? <laughs> better, better on Tuesday. <laughs> but also look at what Toronto has done since we beat them. Yeah. Austin Matthews, I believe, yeah. is up to seven goals. Mitch Marner is playing out of his mind. William Nylander seems to always score. And John Tavares is doing John Tavares things. Also, Soupy Campbell is pretty good in net right now for them. He he's having a pretty good start to the season after a slow first couple of games. So it's not going to be an easy road trip. It's a road trip that if the Penguins were playing at the top of their game, I could see them going one and two. I really could. So they need to be at the be their, their top of their game. They need to score first, as we talked about a couple minutes ago. And then right after that, they have another Canadian team on home ice. They're playing the Vancouver Canucks the night before Thanksgiving. So that that's that's your schedule leading up to, Van uh, to Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. You're playing a bunch of Canadian teams at Montreal, at Toronto, at Winnipeg, at home against Vancouver. I was going to say, then the day before Thanksgiving, we Vancouver. have the Canucks, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, then the Flames, Oilers, and then we go, on, go to Western Canada after we host Montreal. Like a lot of Canadian teams we're facing now, so everyone get ready for the double anthems and some Canadian hockey. Yeah, two, uh, a bunch of teams that we hadn't seen last year. The only team, I believe, that we've played from Canada. I uh, know we played the Flames and we played the Maple Leafs. So, and the Senators. We got shelled by the Senators last weekend. So, yeah. Uh, if you all remember, the sad. game before, I believe it was the game before Thanksgiving two years ago, where it was Canucks-Penguins. It was, because you were at that game, I believe. Crazy comeback by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Brandon Tanev against Chris Tanev in that game. That's why I, that's the only reason I remember it was around Thanksgiving. The Penguins usually seem to play well that last game before American Thanksgiving. And the Vancouver Canucks have been uh, the, about the same thing as the Pittsburgh Penguins. Some really underwhelming results with high expectations. So we'll see how that game pans out. Obviously, we'll preview that as we get closer to it. But Horwat, any last words on the upcoming? I mean, road ahead is very, very Canadian. Get, get. Sorry, I keep having to keep having to hit mute and unmute because my dishwasher's running in the background. But yeah, it's a very, um, get your passport ready road trip. We're going to Canada. We're coming back. We're playing Canadian teams. Then we're going back to Canada. Oh well, we we also have a entering. random game against the New York Islanders in their new arena. In the middle of all that. Yeah, that's an L. New arena, the Islanders, the way we're playing right now. I mean, now, the Islanders aren't doing much better. 
Yeah, but new Arena Islanders. It's not the first game. You never know. I mean, the Islanders are the only team behind us in the standings. Hey, we have a team behind us. At least in the Metro. Yeah. But. Yep. Oh, boy. It's just... Hey, you know what? The sun is out today. It's 68 degrees It seems today. like every time we have a, a, a segment or an episode where we have to say bad things about the Penguins, you always like to look outside and comment on the weather. Because that's the only thing I can see right <laughs> here. It's either I talk about the weather or I talk about my soundproofing. Hey, some nice soundproofing. Amazon.com. I need, a, I need like two more pieces of I it, could but yes. That. As you can see, clearly. But... I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll close out this week with our rendition of shout-outs and call-outs. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, the great folks out there in Vancouver Island, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Once again, promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Horwat. Let's start with callouts because I believe we mentioned last week that we ended on a down note. So we'll start with callouts and then we'll finish this episode on a high note with some shout outs. So let's start off with callouts. Horat, what you got? Callouts. I don't know. I don't know when this exactly happened, but I don't know if you discussed it at all. But did you see John Tortorella's comments towards Connor McDavid? I did not. No. Okay. Uh, I was hoping you did because I kind of don't remember everything that happened. But to sum it up. John Tortorella told McDavid to shut up and play hockey regarding, I believe, like, the penalties that wouldn't be called against him, uh, this, that, the other thing. I don't remember. Now I should have looked it up. But John Tortorella decided to just go after Connor McDavid for no reason, really. It's a, it's a very um, John Tortorella thing to do. I think it had a lot to do with, you know, the looking for calls, how nothing's coming from them because, you know, some of the best players in the world just get hacked nonstop. Um, but just, what are you doing telling me, David, to shut up? That's, what? You mean to tell me the man who's at two points a game and is not the best player on his team right now to, to, to be quiet? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, McDavid's frustration over non-calls. Uh, John Tortorella suggests McDavid just shut up and play through it. Yeah. That's a very John Tortorella that's, thing that's to say. That, giving I mean, the style of hockey he played or he employed his players yeah. to play. No, that's something though that I feel like he would tell anybody he was coaching if they said that. If they started, you know, complaining about the non-calls and literally, you know what? I mean, McDavid is, I mean, 15 points in 15 straight games to start the year, has over 2 point or close to 2 points per game. And when they're on the power play, their power plays, you know, converting at over 40% a clip. But I, it's it's John Tortorella, and that's why I like him on uh, on ESPN because he'll say stuff like this. But the issue there is is the fact that it's McDavid arguing over non calls. Correct. Let's look at the replays. Are they penalties? Usually, yeah. But it's not like the NHL. Then they should be getting called because because guess what? Those are the written rules yeah. in the game of hockey. You follow the written rules. 
the Steve Dangle podcast, as much as we referenced them, went on a long rant about this, and I thought it was really good because, holy shit, they are the written rules of the game. And then they dove into, like, why certain players get called more than others. Like, whenever Nazem Kadri got, I think, a game misconduct for having Jordan Bennington's stick swung at him <laughs> and retaliating to that. But, yeah, no, it's because of these players reputations and the way that there is zero accountability here's the real call out zero accountability for these nhl referees for just being horrible openly horrible at their yeah. jobs and nothing comes from it because, because it's referees and professional sports nothing ever comes from it unless you're tim peel and you but the nfl they have to answer questions the nba they have to fill out forms the nhl is just all right go home you messed up a lot of things today but who cares next game is a different game how about you just call the game as it's written? yeah just see what happens sure miss one or two whatever obvious ones you got you have to call you cannot just do makeup calls i get that the tim peel thing happened and that was and we and we as fans know that's how the game is that's not how it should be it's not, but it is how it so, is. And and if you are gonna not you, but you know, if anybody is going to argue that it can be it can be fixed, it yeah, sure it can be, but it's not gonna be. How we, you're gonna go blue in the face arguing over the fact that you know what can be fixed in the NHL before anything actually gets done. So, how about let's just start with accountability. Okay. Open up these referees to media, to the media. Hey, you you missed this call. Why? What happened? Yeah. And then if they. It, What's the worst that happens? They admit, oh, I missed it. We yeah. move on. No, I agree with There's that. There's zero accountability, though. They don't have to even say, oh, I missed it. They are able to just skate off the ice and say, 100%, boys, way to go. We did it. You know, I, <laughs> like, I agree with the accountability. It's horrible. Thing. I do. It's horrible. And also, just telling your star player to shut up is just not ideal. Also, considering he gets, he has to wear human backpacks every game. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, sure, he's able to still score highlight real goals against four New York Rangers and make them all look like children. But, um, I don't know. It's, don't tell your star players to shut up because guess what? There's a reason why you're behind an analyst desk and not behind a bench right now because the game is changing and you're not. How about that? Uh, I Shut up and play through it. You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I generally dislike what he said there because honestly, McDavid, you, you can complain all the all you want. It's not going to change anything. Just go out and he, and he is right. honestly because that's what he's doing. He's going to complain, but he's still going to go out there and do it. That's why it's it's fine on McDavid's part. And for Tortorella to say that, all right, it's your opinion. I, sure, and it is my opinion okay. that he's wrong. And to be fair, it is my opinion he's wrong. It is also my opinion that maybe McDavid shouldn't bitch about it every game. You know, at some point, yeah, you should just kind of adapt because clearly nothing's going to change, but things mm -hmm. should. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Everyone kind of is getting screwed yeah. here. But it's just the thought process of why don't we just call the game the way it's supposed to be called? I mean, the playoffs especially. I think that was a long discussion a lot of people had that McDavid did not have a single penalty called against him through that entire series. Would they have won the series no. either way? Who knows? We don't know that. But... I don't know, call the rule book because it's a yeah. thing. I mean, it's something that Sidney Crosby, bringing it back to Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby had to deal with that yes. early in his career, and he's still being called Crybaby Crosby, at least in Washington. I learned that last week. Uh, It's, yeah, 
all the rival cities. If you honestly look back at Crosby's career, he has had to deal with so much bullshit that he has finally took taken it upon himself to do things well, like that. Well, that and should that should that have hit against Fervari. what's his name? Fervari. Ben Yeah. Should that should there have been some discipline that maybe just That's to be fair probably a roughing. By probably that is a roughing. Probably a, it was a danger. It was it was a dangerous play. It was definitely roughing. Should there have been some sort of thing there? Yes. For sure. But at the same time, how many times has Crosby just gotten smacked around and nothing Fair. gets called? He's he's okay. All to have I'm saying with that two, is or a couple. <laughs> what Crosby learned through that process because he was more than what McDavid is doing, complaining about calls early in his career. What he learned is to pick his spots. That's what McDavid needs to do. Just pick your spots correctly. That's fair. I, I can agree with that too. So I just this is stuff to, that a lot of people just have to get off their chest and go listen to the Steve Dangle podcast episode where they just talked about it. That it was a really good little rant and it made a lot of okay. sense. My call out this week is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm calling out the Steelers because one, they just tied the winless Detroit Lions at home. At home, you let DeAndre Swift. You're supposed the the strength of the Steelers team. Listen, I understand Ben Roethlisberger. Late scratch because he's on the COVID protocol list. I get that it's going to be hard to get points. But you let DeAndre Swift run all over that vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I mean, he had, what, over 200 yards from scrimmage that day? You should have lost that game if it wasn't for the Lions kicker being such crap. Awful. Bad kick. Two terrible kicks. He missed an extra point. Otherwise, that wouldn't have been an overtime game. So That's a good point. Technically should have lost to the Detroit Lions if they weren't so bad at winning football games. By bad, I mean they don't know how to do it. They haven't done it this year. But still, the Pittsburgh Steelers, even previous to that, needed a taunting call to beat the Chicago Bears at home in prime time. When the Steelers do not lose. They don't lose prime time home games. Especially on Monday night. And they needed that kind of call to beat a bad Chicago Bears team. Okay, well, with that, they're 5-3-1. and one. It's not an awful record considering you started 1-3. and three. You had a nice four-game win streak that you just ended with that, again, horrendous effort on Sunday. And they're still in second place in the AFC North. A half a game back from first place in one of the toughest divisions in the entire NFL. They're the fifth seed right now in the AFC. That's a playoff spot. Not only is that a playoff spot, that is the highest playoff spot that goes to a non-division leader. I'm here to tell you they're easily going to miss the playoffs. Oh, I'm here to tell you that looking at their remaining schedule, I'm going to bring it up right here. They're going to win two, maybe three games the rest of the year. Yeah. Before you even read the schedule off, I just want to say, I don't care who was quarterbacking that team. It was A, the Detroit Lions, and B, we've watched Mason Rudolph just run buck wild all over Cleveland on multiple occasions. Mason Rudolph was 5-3 and three that year that he was the starter because Ben was out. Yeah, that's not terrible. That's, and that also, should be good we, enough to beat the freaking Lions. Yeah, and also, is no one discussing the fact that didn't we score on the opening we drive? We looked good at, for the first 20 seconds. Here... Here's the Steelers' schedule to end the season here. 5-3-1 and one is, what, 9? So they have 8 games left. I'm saying they win 2. I'll give them 2. They might squeak out a third game. They have the Chargers on Sunday night football coming up on the road. 
Then they have the Bengals on the road. Then they host the Baltimore Ravens. Then they visit the Vikings on Thursday night football, host the Tennessee Titans, visit the Kansas City Chiefs, host the Cleveland Browns, and then visit the Baltimore Ravens to finish the season. I will give them one win against the Baltimore Ravens. I think they have that in them. I will say they beat the Cincinnati Bengals the second time they play them, and they might find, they might find one more win. Might. This team, I mean, what I wanted, my expectations this season were, hey, get a winning record. Keep Mike Tomlin's stretch of winning records together. And if they pull out three games, guess what? He won't have a losing record. He'll be 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. And you take that with this season, apparently. I, also, it's just the tradition of the Steelers playing vastly down to inferior opponents. That tradition is still yeah, alive and well. When they say the standard is the standard, the standard is make sure you play just as well as the other team across from you, whether they suck or they're good. But then, for some reason, also sometimes kick the shit out of a Super they Bowl They beat the Buffalo Bills the, to start this season. Yep, in the Buffalo Bills. And I, you mentioned you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. I think I told you that's a game I bet they win just because it's the Steelers and they like screwing with people. And also the Chiefs are just question Chiefs marks are in first year. place again. Oh, and their great. division, they're in first place again already. Great, but you know what I mean. It's that's a that's a game we might win just because we're the Steelers and we show up against good teams. But when it's the Lions, it's take it off the pedal, throw it in neutral, and see what happens because we should be able to beat them in neutral. Guess what? No, it is a sport. This is why we play the games. Their defense might take keep it them from in the it. Penguins. Their right defense now. might keep them in it. Their defense was the reason they lost on Sunday, and that's when you know things are going wrong for the Steelers. When it's not Mason Rudolph's fault, although he sucked, it was the fact that the defense couldn't stop the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got it. Joe Green was probably shouting profanities from the rooftops watching that game. So was, I'm sure, James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, all those, uh, Troy Polamalu. I'm sure all those former Steelers defensive players are looking at this like, what is wrong with you? They're all sitting in their golden jackets saying, you're never getting one of these. You keep this up. TJ Watt might. Yeah, he might he was also, I mean, so might Cam Hayward. But they just... The, the line for the Detroit Lions just absolutely obliterated the Steelers. So, rest of the season, with the schedule that I just read off, I see them winning two, maybe three games. If they win more than that, you know what? Call me an idiot. That's fine. I'll be happy about that. But I don't see it happening. I don't see them winning more than more than three games. I will give them two for sure. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. So, let's move over to shoutouts because... Uh, Fun because, stuff. All uh, right. I'm getting heated about the Steelers, and I don't know if I can talk about them that much longer. With, with that being said, I am wearing a Chase Claypool shirt. But, oh well. He didn't let you down No, because he was uh, sitting on the sideline, injured. Didn't, didn't let you didn't down. Let me down. Nothing he could do about it. It's like you can't lose on a bye week. You can't let me down if you're out injured. But let, exactly. let's go to shout-outs. Horwat, who are you shouting out this week? Who, who made you happy? And also, by the way, before we get to that, no Oreos, man. That's so bad. Ugh. Sorry. You sickened me. It's literally just the regular, just the regular Oreos. I don't like like vanilla flavored ones are fine. Uh, the other like flavors they oh, have. Oh, so are you're cool. just a freak. Something about that. Something about that weird. It's not chocolate that they use. I don't know what it is, and I like chocolate a lot. But anyway, for um, <laughs> shoutouts, I'm starting with uh, a band that hasn't made a record in 40 years and decided to make one again. That is ABBA. Hmm. 
Swedish legends ABBA decided to, after 40 years of still being a band, mind you, and still having a ton of solo records being put out between the members, just said, screw it, let's make another album. It's been 40 years, man. I haven't listened to it, and probably won't, but I just think it's really interesting that a group that is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mind you, just took 40 years off (laughs) and uh, still put out, I think it's a number one, just because the music industry is weird and and more the more publicity you get the higher in the charts mm-hmm. you go but yeah our artists don't usually do that and i just thought that was yeah. fun also dancing queen is an absolute banger and more than likely waterloo will be on my spotify raps because i don't know why <laughs> i'll openly admit that having abba be a guilty pleasure mm-hmm. for me fair enough <laughs> 40 years yeah that's uh it's crazy to think about just i mean have they been touring i don't even know if they've been touring i think so i mean to put out i think they made like four records before the 40 years off and like i said they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and i think like the 90s so there was already a big gap between last record and induction so who knows but um and i'm assuming like i said they all had solo stuff so maybe like they toured solo, uh, maybe they got back together and toured for some time. But it's like Billy Joel. Billy Joel hasn't made an album since I think 1993, but he tours with the hits because he's Billy Joel and that's what he can do. Also, Billy Joel is coming back. Cannot wait for that. I should have made him the shout out, but you know what? Abba's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like that's sort of like a COVID thing. Like they were like, all right, what are we gonna do? Well, yeah, let's make a record. We haven't done one in four years. Yeah, but it's COVID. Let's make a record. Paul McCartney, yeah, like Paul McCartney made an entire record by himself and in, in rock down as he mm-hmm. called it. Um, bunch of bands yeah. did music during. I the wouldn't pandemic be surprised. I mean, I, that's they're in no way verified, <laughs> but I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, yeah, we're in COVID. You know, you want to quarantine together and make an album for the first time in four decades? Yeah, sure. Why not? We're ABBA. We can do what the fuck we want. Oh, so it turns out they have not toured since the '80s, but. Um, I don't know. It, ABBA's a weird group. I guess it's because they're massive in Sweden and then pretty big here. I don't know. I mean, uh, still 40 years off. And it's not like they were broken up, per se. I mean, yeah, no, they were just retired. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was fun. 40 years off. That was, what, that was their big moniker going into the sales. This is their first album in 40 years. Not too many bands last 40 yeah, years. Yeah, that's, that's also true. <laughs> that's... That's also true, whether it be, you know, breaking up because of egos or just the fact that one of them dies. That's the 80s. That, 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 that's the 80s and the early 90s right there for you. Yeah. Or if you're anything like Joy Division, you just turn into New Order and you're still pretty good. Fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But uh, I will finish it off with my shout out. I'm shouting out Tom Brady, not because he's lost two games in a row, but because of the new Man in the Arena documentary series that is airing on ESPN plus I watched episode one yesterday and I realized while watching that even watching him beat the Steelers in his first actual season his second season since being drafted stepping in for Drew Bledsoe even watching that my hatred is basically 100% gone for Tom Brady you know growing up a Steelers fan I had so much fire and brimstone hatred for TB12 at this point in my life, I have no reason to hate him. I mean, you have to respect him because of, you know, going 
to 10 Super Bowls, winning seven of them, leaving New England, winning the first year in Tampa. And you just, you know, I can't wait for more episodes. I mean, only episode one is out. And of course, like I said, they they chronicle that season with the Drew Bledsoe injury, Brady coming in, Bledsoe replacing him in the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh, and then Brady going out there and, and beating the St. Louis Rams, which again, weird remembering that the uh, St. Louis Rams were that juggernaut of a team with Kurt Warner. But, you know, I, I enjoyed that episode. It feels kind of like a Last Dance-esque, but instead of chronicling one year, he's going to chronicle his entire career. And he's not even done yet. That's a weird thing, too. You're going to say, yeah, no, I was the greatest of all time. Here, I'm going to chronicle my career. And by the way, I'm still a Super Bowl favorite and MVP favorite as this is coming out. So. Yeah, you know what? It's sports fans love to just hate the good players yeah especially if they have to go head to head against them yeah and let's be honest we're both guilty of it as well it's just the it's just a part of being sports fans like you have your hatred towards other people just because they're vastly superior at that sport than your favorite player or your Mm -hmm. favorite team it's just the way it is Sure, you're going to bring up, oh, they cheated. Who cares? You know who doesn't care that they cheated? The six, seven rings sitting on Tom Brady's mm-hmm. fingers. Because guess what? No one really cares anymore. It's all in the past, regardless of what you can or cannot say about Deflategate, cheating, uh, Spygate, Tuck whatever rule, else. Which is an, an episode the one, which again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, uh, it's a refereeing. Deal with it. It's bad call. Yeah, I say yeah, the tuck rule isn't so much cheating as it is just a missed call, you could say, or a weird Yeah, and they, they fixed it. Either so. way. Yeah, they fixed it. And you know what else was a weird rule at the time? Whenever the Dallas Stars won the cup. His foot was in the crease, and that was a rule that you couldn't do that yeah. at the time. <laughs> but there's not an asterisk next to that Stanley Cup championship. There's not an asterisk next to any of the seven Super Bowls Tom Brady mm-hmm. himself has won. He himself has won more Super Bowls any than... Franchise any franchise and yeah tom brady's one of the greatest if not the greatest of all time so suck it up yeah have you, have you watched the uh, first episode of that no but i saw you tweet about it and now i hear you talk about it i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to start finding time to do Sorry. things also because i just got uh gta san andreas the definitive <laughs> edition and i've never played that game before so i'm excited just to mm-hmm. play that because um, I love the GTA franchise, and that's like the pinnacle. Yeah. So that I it was get funny to. watching Willie McGinnis be uh, the the guy that's also helping chronicle the seat first season. Yeah. You know, forget if anybody that forgot that Willie McGinnis was just an absolute stud, and the main reason that Tom Brady won his first couple of Super Bowls was because the Patriots defense was, uh, you know, a bunch of Hall of Famers: Teddy Bruschi, Ty Law, Willie McGinnis. I don't. Teddy Bruschi. I, I, I don't know if Willie McGinnis was, is a Hall of Famer. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but you know, still a beast. Still a legend. Ty Law is. Ty Law 100% is. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you so much for tuning in. I thank you for indulging in all my football talk that I had in this last segment. I might clip that uh, Steelers rant and put it up just to have Steelers fans roast me, uh, say that I'm not a real fan or whatever. But uh, I spoke the truth, and that's all I know. But uh, thank you for tuning in. We will see you on Monday's episode bright and early, and hopefully – the Pittsburgh Penguins are coming off of two wins or at least two good performances. But, you know, you generally need to get those wins now because you're running out of time. See you guys next week. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. 
You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.